Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Use code DNVR to join today. I'm your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. We are 10 games into the season now. The Avs are 6-3-1. and one. Overall, a pretty positive vibe when it comes to that side of things. And at the same time, they have quite a few injuries. Some worse than others. Some complete unknowns. So we figured we should dive into everything and start sorting things out. Now, unfortunately, a lot of things are not clear because every team in the NHL likes to make three to four roster moves a day with the taxi squad and everything going on. I believe Cat Friendly said 20 days into the season, there had already been over 1,500 transactions of players. Uh, So numbers are pretty ridiculous there, but let's start with the biggest curiosity and maybe we can shed a little bit more light on this. The Avs going into last night's game with only 17 Mm -hmm. skaters because of cap compliance reasons, basically, AJ. Yeah, so just doing the math with it, um, the big reason um, we talked, we briefly touched on it last night. The big reason you don't want to just drop somebody on LTIR more than I would say more than the inability to earn daily cap hit um, that that cushion over that period of time. You don't have access to that player for twenty four days. Yep. So if there's you know, and from what we've heard, you know we're. The concussions, you never really know, right? For sure. So, and we're we're assuming that that's what's going on with Calvert and EJ right now. That's a true day to day. You really don't know. You wake up one day and you're feeling okay and you can handle it and you're all right. And then another day, you know, maybe not. But I just don't. Um, I don't. I don't think that. I don't, I don't think that, that it would have been smart move just for the sake of one game to put that guy out there. Yeah. You know, to, to, to put someone on LTIR. And then the other one with – so Calvert already is on IR, just regular old IR, as well as Franzos. And that's the guy that you want to know. Why is he not on LTIR? Yeah. Fran – with backdating, it's been what fourteen days. The Avs could yeah. they'd really only miss him for another ten days if they put Francois on LTIR. Yep. So it would have been it would have been I think a ten day commitment. Um, but I'm with Belmar. It, they've made it sound like this may not be that bad. It looked awful, but it may not be that big of a deal. If there if there was no ligament you know ligament damage or whatever, then maybe you're looking at a week. the The question is is even with all of this, do they get this sorted out before tomorrow's game time? Yeah, and the answer there, nobody knows is is what the real answer there is, except for the Avalanche, and that is obviously not even mentioning whatever is going on with Nathan McKinnon, which the Avs could show up into morning skate tomorrow and Nathan McKinnon could look a hundred percent or Nathan McKinnon might show up in a suit and not get into gear. We have no idea. Yeah. The, if he doesn't, if he doesn't show up the morning skate, the morning skate tomorrow is actually going to be the first time that morning skate is like important. Yeah. It's one of those things that we actually are going to care about. Yeah. So, um, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, they've got to figure it out because you can't just be like, well, we're kind of close on some of these injuries. So we're trying to, you know, we're trying to with the cap space and no, you can't just not play your full roster in, in multiple NHL games because you're trying to get cute with things. So they're, they're in a tough spot because they have these like middle, middle of the road injuries. Um, but, and there's so many of them now. You're now at, if you include McKinnon, that makes three injured forwards and two injured defensemen and then a goaltender. So you're up to six. Um, it's, if players aren't ready to come back, I would say at in this homestand against Minnesota, if you don't get at least like Taves back, they have to do something, whether that's moving someone to LTIR or just figuring out a way to work the cap to get players in. Something has to be moved. 
but part of that is a question of what, and we'll do our best to answer it here, but just keep in mind, every scenario right now is a little bit of a what if based on yeah. who's healthy and who is not. Yeah, especially the McKinnon trap card here. Yeah. Uh, we don't really... Everything that we could get into all of it, assuming that he's in or out, and it could all be undone tomorrow morning. So uh, to answer Steph's question, yeah. I'll be at morning skate tomorrow. So we'll find out. Yep, we'll know uh, more or less about Nathan McKinnon at morning skate tomorrow. The as of the day off today. Let's let's start with McKinnon being out of the lineup because this is this is where the most interesting conversation is going to be. Uh, we alluded to it on last night's show a little bit, but first of all, who do the Avs bring up? Obviously, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be cheering for Shane Bowers a little bit, but. Yeah. It, is it realistic to actually give him a shot at center in this lineup? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. The answer is yes. Shane oh. Bowers is the obvious answer here for for that. Uh, if if you if you drop Sheldon Dries in there, I at that point you have to really ask yourself what the hell is the the point. Like, what? are you keeping Shane Bowers around for trade fodder? Like, what's happening here? Yeah, for sure. It, you could have at least assigned him to the Eagles roster if you're going to let all these other guys pass him over. Um, either way, with with Bowers, I think the more curious question for the Avs to answer is how do they form their depth down the middle, whether it's, it's Dries or Bowers coming in, whoever. Yeah. Because we saw in the third period last night who scored the Avs goal the Avs second line do you do you there's yolo a, someone on the top line or do, do you just promote cadre there's a real reticence i think to just put cadre in the top spot for sure because that second line has found its rhythm and is rocking and rolling yeah so if that's if that's the case then i just I have a really hard time breaking up that second line and and messing with it because I think honestly I think you could probably just put Tyson Jost in that top line and like you're not going to get any kind of the the same level of offense of course but I can't put Comfer there. I would like yeah. to put Comfer there if Comfer showed anything. Yep. He's just been so bad. I mean, is is the real conversation there? You just put whoever in the center, and this, if McKinnon is out, this is the time for Miko Rantanen to say, hey, the Hart Trophy conversation should be about me. This is, regard if, if David McKinnon is out, the number one player that the focus goes on to is Miko Rantanen. Like, Kel McCarr is already going to have plenty of focus. He's already got a lot of that, but... Driving, driving the offense is—it's got to be Miko Rantanen. Yep, I I don't disagree, and I think that that would be the question for Miko. It's been the question for a couple of years now. Honestly, with people, the conversation of breaking up the three-headed monster always comes up, right? And the question you have with breaking it up, you usually shy away from breaking up McKinnon and Rantanen because they're so good together. But if Miko is capable of driving play independently of McKinnon, your possibilities open up a lot. Well, and the number, the number one thing that we need to find out, like that we we can find out from Miko is. Are you that dude? Yep. You know, because we talk about him as one of one of the top wings in the NHL. Well, you know what the top wings in the NHL do is they drive play. Straight up. And the Patrick Kane's of the world. Yeah, like those and those guys dominate shifts 
regardless of who their center is. Now, granted, Patrick Kane hasn't spent much of his career without a really good center. There's always been somebody good in the middle next to him. Uh, but you look at Artemi Panarin, like that guy's rocking and rolling. Yep. You know, and because advantage adds a good center, but he really blew up. You know, Ryan Strom had his best season next to next to Artemi Panarin. So, you know, that's what Miko needs to do. He needs to elevate whoever whoever is going to be there. Agreed. We could see, I mean, we could see a whole lot of shaping of this lineup. I saw a question earlier about Logan O'Connor solidifying himself in the lineup. Um, I mean, with the injuries in the immediate, definitely. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's one where it's like, look, it's two good games, and it's building off of a good performance in the postseason. But what does this look like with a fully healthy it, lineup? I mean, what happens yeah. when you get, you know, what what is 25 games of Logan O'Connor look like? It's not it's not like Logan O'Connor is so good that you're no doubt putting him into the lineup every single night forever. I mean based on this. Like he, for the immediate right. future, he has absolutely earned the the opportunity to stay in the lineup. But he's got to keep it up. Otherwise, you know. You're yeah. cup susceptible to somebody taking your job. Yeah. And also, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the thing that we have to do on days off. <laughs> I, I'm surprised you feel surprised by this. It, it look, the reality is you need to prepare for everything right now if you're going to be covering the Avalanche because we don't know the injury situation on these guys. And yeah. there's a very possible scenario here where we show up tomorrow and Nathan McKinnon is playing. And great. That's the best news in the world for the Avalanche. But... If he's not ready to play, then these are the scenarios that you could be looking at. So we're answering this question now instead of when morning skate ends tomorrow and Nathan McKinnon isn't there and everyone says, what are the Avs going to do? Here's this podcast. Go listen yeah. to it. <laughs> um, the thing about LOC is... As AJ has alluded to, it sounds like a lot of these injuries probably aren't that serious. So what happens if the question becomes, do the Avs play LOC or do they play Belmar? And granted, Belmar is a center, I understand. There's there's some levels to that. but And this is ignoring Martin Cout entirely also, by the way. But can he carve out a consistent regular spot on a healthy Avalanche forward core? Yeah, I think... If they're if they're healthy, I I think the answer is probably no. Um, but you have to like it. Like you have to like what he's done in a limited role. You do. You know. I think I think we on the pod and and the fan base as a whole probably spends too much time on depth guys. I agree. Um, like right now, like whatever is going on with JT Comfer is a much bigger problem. The fact that Val Nichushkin cannot produce offense is a really big problem. The guy's the guy's goal was a breakaway that he flubbed and bounced off his skate and went in. Like they have a real problem with and those guys right now. I do want to talk about those problems. We do, however, have to take our first period break with Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get eight different kinds on tap down at the DNVR bar or head on down to the farmhouse in a little tin to get all of their flavors, whichever one you prefer. Curbside pickup, however you want to grab your beer. There you go. Save $5 when you use code DNVR and call 303-803-1380 to get your pickup set up. We also have... Green Mountain Dental Group, the dentist for the DNVR fam. Just 15 minutes from downtown Denver in Lakewood when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. They will give you a free Sonicare toothbrush just for taking care of your teeth. Why not get a good deal on a toothbrush and get your teeth cleaned at the same time? Green Mountain Dental Group, be sure to check them out. 
second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast with Rudo and AJ. Be sure to like and subscribe to the video. That really helps us out a ton over on the YouTube channel. We really appreciate y'all. There you go. Hit the hit the bell notification if you like all the content as well. It will give you updates, let you know when we go live, etc. Let's look because AJ, you said it before. You try to tackle the season in 10 game stretches. Yeah. Part amount. We're through 10 games. The Avs are 6-3 and 1. You take that. If the Avs go 6-3 and 1 in every single 10 game stretch of the season, they're crushing it. Doesn't mean everything's perfect, doesn't mean everything's terrible. I'm going to answer my own question a little bit here, but what is the biggest surprise success for the Evs in the first 10 games? And is it Philip Grubauer? Not for me. No, not surprised, despite how effective he's been. <clears throat> yeah, he's really only had the one bad game. Yep. Um, the And that was a the game they won, the San Jose game. You know, he also did not play particularly well in the season opener, but he got hung out to yeah, dry. No one played particularly well in the season opener. Like, yeah. If you go back and you look at the goals, it's like outside of the one that was caused by him not knowing how to handle a puck all of a sudden, he did, there, there was not a lot he can be asked to do in that yep. situation. They, they hung him out to dry. And... I, I, but I, I mean, I think this is a continuation. Grubauer was, you look at his numbers before the Grubauer injuries, was yeah. really, really good in the, in the postseason, And he was, uh, he was good at the end of his regular season too, before that injury. So yeah, he was, I mean, his best play last regular season was the last like eight or so games uh, before he got hurt. So I think. Grubauer's probably not the biggest surprise for me. Um, I think Travis is right. I think it's Byram. I have, not that not that Byram belongs or anything. I've been saying for six months that Bo and Byram was going to be on this team and he was going to play, and people just were like, I think he'll get the nine games and, you know, whatever. I get to be right about that one because I had that one <laughs> the whole time. You had it pegged for sure. It's, I think... The confidence with the puck, we knew, we all knew it was coming. If you yeah. watched him, you knew that was there. But what what has really impressed me about his game, I don't feel like this is the right word, but I'm going to say defensive consistency. Not that he's played defensively extremely solidly, but you see him every time he makes a mistake on the defensive end, he has the recover ability to make up for it. He'll chase guys yeah. down. He will get back on a play. He'll throw a reverse hit on it, dude and make it work. And I, I Bowen Byram is the reason why I think the abs have the best defense in the league right now. Obviously Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, all doing heavy, heavy lifting there, but Byram is that next piece, the final piece. The big big thing is, is that when the abs were eliminated by Dallas, they went from having no true top pairing to they have a, they have a rock solid, unimpeachable top four. Yep. All of a sudden. Through Overnight three, almost, yeah. From losing game seven through ten games of the regular season, Kale McCarr has played like a Norris candidate. Uh, his underlying numbers match up with what elite, your eyes are telling elite. you. Yep. <laughs> and maybe, to be honest, my eyes have, have consistently undersold his level of dominance. Yeah. Um, it's he stepped it up, I think, in the past couple of games to where the eyes match the uh, match the numbers. Yeah. But even by game five, the the possession metrics he was putting out were just, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was like the shot. It was the quality of suppression or the suppression of quality. I'm sorry that was really driving his success and before he started to look but when we were all like he's not looking very good yet we're not you know we've seen better from kale and we always talked about how his second year in a level he's always blown up and crazy stuff has happened yep 
it, it's happening. Like he, he is, I'm through ten games right now. He wins my Norris Trophy vote. Like he would, he would win it. Is if, he leading defenseman after last night? I'd have to check. Hang on. He and he and Hughes are are neck and neck in terms of points, but in the underlings, he's absolutely crushing Quinn Hughes. And Hughes has also played an extra game, so. And Hughes is actually getting sheltered more than Kale McCarr yeah. is. McCarr, um, that's what impressed me the most is quality of competition and the number of non-offensive zone starts for McCarr. The the yeah. argument that, that Hughes is activated and used more defensively is gone now. The Evs are even using yeah. McCarr on the PK at this point. So Yeah, well, and, and between that, um, Sam Gerrard has taken a big step forward this season. For sure. Last night was his worst game of the year, I think, by far. And for us to have said that, because he had multiple games last year where he would have, like, stretches. Yep. And he, I, I just think, start to, one through ten, Gerard was their most consistent defenseman in that 10-game stretch. He was yep. very, very good. Um, that That's a big step forward for him because him creating offensively really just drives home that, hey, his defense is rock solid. And he's totally reliable back there, and it's fine. Like, you're very to happy with that. Complete but player, yeah. Exactly. Now, now it's feeling like that game is getting rounded out. He's becoming that complete guy that we we've envisioned for a number of years now, and then the addition of Devon Taves could not have started off much better. Yeah, it, he's he's already got three goals on the season. Offensively, he looks like he fits in perfectly with the second the identity of that Gerard, defense. Yeah, yeah, it's, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which combination of these top four guys they put out there. They just move around the zone so much and they do so much work with the puck. And then obviously Byram coming in and looking as good as he has, has been a surprise. I, I thought, Hey, he's going to come in and it's going to take him. He's going to look good on offense and it's going to, it's going to really take, it's going to really take some time for him to, to get comfortable we're seeing some ups and downs. Um, he's he's taken a lot of penalties for sure. So far. That's probably his biggest ding. Um, and some of that, some of that is the fact that he just he gets beat and he reaches and he hasn't learned he hasn't learned how to not do that yet. Yeah, I, it's that being the weakest part of his game is almost exciting to me because you know. He's only going to get better as he spends more time. Uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna about to uh, about to get there, Brendan. Um, the one of players currently on the Avalanche, because I want to separate out the Ian Cole conversation to something else. The one weak point on the Avs defense has been Ryan Graves, that who of players that play every night or should be playing every night. Ryan Graves is the one that has fallen short so far. And we talked about this, you know, five games in, and and we said, look, he's trying to find what he needs to do as he gets moved around in this lineup with different partners. He doesn't get to play next to Kale McCarr every night anymore. Where, Where's the leash? Because right now the Evs are obviously committed to him until Taves and EJ get healthy. But what does the conversation become? when Graves is the sixth D and you have Timmons and Patteron and others trying to get in. Honest, honestly, man, um, there isn't between Connor Timmons and Ryan Graves right now, you have to take Connor Timmons. Um, it's not that Timmons has won the job. It's that Graves has lost it. Yeah. Because he's been, he's been an active detriment on the blue line. This is, this is the Ryan Graves we thought we were going to see in that first 25 games that when he first came up yep. and he had those first couple of games and it was like, like this is going really well, but I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then the other shoe didn't drop. And then the other shoe didn't drop. And then the other shoe didn't drop. <laughs> and now we're here 
and it's dropping really fast. Um, I still, I'm still, I will never agree that Kale McCarr carried Ryan Graves. Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr wasn't making the decisions for Ryan Graves. Kale McCarr is not not inside of Ryan Graves controlling him and making him be the solid player that he was. He didn't score nine goals for Ryan Graves. Ryan Graves had to shoot those in the net himself. Right. The question like, is, where is that guy gone? We, 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 we had a pretty good inkling that the nine goals was probably going to be an anomaly. And for sure. It was, was going to be a struggle to get there again. But he's got a legitimately good shot, and he's been such a smart player that getting himself into position to have a four-goal or five-goal season should be perfectly reasonable. And right now, he looks awful. I mean, every it, the, num- the number one thing, he does not have the kind of skating where he can make mistakes. Yep. We have talked about this. His entire career, we have talked about those limitations. And there's just... No way. It's a, there's, there's no way that he's going to be successful if he cannot get back to consistently making sound decisions. Yep. It's the way the Avs defense is set up now. He is not getting sheltered. He cannot afford to expect players to rotate in back for him at this point. Yeah. Especially because the D pairs they want to run as it stands right now are with Connor Timmons, who is the same dude mechanically, someone who has to make right decisions because their mm-hmm. skating isn't that good. Yep. And we saw both of them make wrong decisions the other night. But when you're running a defensive pairing like that, you have to lean on the guy with NHL experience. And that's Ryan Graves now. He's the more experienced of the two. So it gets it gets rough it if nothing else uh it adds another shovel of dirt onto the grave of plus minus graves now minus 5 this season after winning the plus minus award last year yeah you want you want to talk about uh Kilmacar carrying Ryan graves that's where it happened in the plus minus the plus <laughs> minus was a lot more of Kilmacar than uh Kilmacar's like making Ryan Graves good. He hasn't seen it anywhere. And and I think Victor brings up a good point. We've been pretty harsh so far, but it does feel like this is the pendulum swinging the other way. Last year yeah. was probably like a career-high regular season for him. And we talked about it last year. Like, hey, they, they need to be careful in the offseason. It's why when he signed the three-year deal worth $3 million, we were like, that's a little steep. This for a little, little too little long. Much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a little bit more of a commitment than anybody I think was comfortable with other than Ryan Graves and the ads. Yeah. I, because of this. Because of this exact possibility. And the reality of the situation, I think, is you don't need Ryan Graves to be the guy he was last year necessarily, but you need him to be a serviceable NHL defenseman. I mean, he needs to be 70% of that guy and him next to Eric Johnson on the third pairing will be just fine. Yep. So Because that next to Eric Johnson, who Eric Johnson just goes from... The ads have to have this guy, top pairing, top PK guy. And now it's like we need you on the we need you on the PK to continue to do some stuff. You feel really good about Eric Johnson being on your third pairing, but you don't really want to put him in your top four if you don't have to. I think uh can we remove any of these comments that are putting a timeline on nobody knows what Nathan McKinnon's timeline is don't believe any of that garbage I don't I just because people are going to be rolling in here and freaking out about something that's not happening yep I'm on it appreciate you Kale the super producer himself stop giving Kale more work all right he's doing stuff behind the scenes for us chat get it together now 
Okay. So we've discussed the defense. EJ, a good jumping off point to talk about the PK. Abs have the best penalty kill in the NHL right now. You love to see it. I, how much of this is a penalty kill system that we saw start to get some momentum outside of the Dallas series last season? How much of this is Philip Grubauer carrying the load? Um, certainly a lot of this is goaltending. Okay. I believe it. Um, but I also think that I think the PKs played pretty well. Okay. I, 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 here's, here's what's impressive to me about the PK, especially over these last couple of games. We've seen Calvert go down. We've seen Belmar go down. We're having a different look to the Avs in the PK, particularly on the forward side, honestly, on the defensive side too, as you see Sam and uh, Kale get in there, but Nachushkin's getting time. That's working well. Jost is continuing to flourish on the penalty yeah. kill. Yeah. And Jost looks, Jost looks really good on the yep. PK. He's made some really smart, some, just some really smart plays where comfort, comfort is so passive. And you see Jost has that little extra step of aggression. Mm-hmm. And um, it's making all the it's making a big difference for me. Um, I, I think that just that effectiveness. And you see it in the underlying numbers when you look at all those guys. And it's just like the guys who have been really good on the PK are not the guys that you think, you know, it's not been Comfort, it's not been Belmar. Jost and Nachushkin have been leading the way. They've been really, really, really good on the PK. That's and like the, the results are the same. Um, they're not getting scored on. They're not giving up. They're also not getting called for a lot of penalties here. They're not killing four or five penalties a yeah. night. They're when you're only being asked to kill two penalties a night, you look your numbers are going to look a lot better. For sure. Um, I do want to talk about the forwards and the power play, but we do have to take our second period break first. This podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. You can head on over there, check it out. They have their uh, Super Bowl 55 stuff starting to kick off. There you go. They're giving up to, not up to, total away $55 million. You just go in there, make a couple of predictions on things that may or may not happen in the Super Bowl. When you sign up for an account, be sure to use code DNVR to let them know we sent you and get entered in for a bunch of rewards, including up to a $1,000 sign-up bonus. You can bet on Tampa if you're a fool. You can bet on the Chiefs if you're smart. You can bet on any number of other things happening in that game. Predict who scores the first touchdown. Predict what the first play is. You can win up to a million dollars on the spot just for submitting your predictions. So why not go win yourself some free money over at DraftKings Sportsbook? Be sure to check it out. There are a bunch of terms, conditions. There you go. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users get that $1,000 sign-up bonus. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus of her first bet match each up to $500 25x playthrough required restrictions apply cdraftkings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 thank you kale couldn't find the right tab for the read so kale's got my back on that one much appreciated third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast looking at the forward core we'll get to the comfort conversation in a minute i want to start out on a positive note didn't start that way with the second line, but the second five games of the first 10, the second line has been everything the Evs have hoped for and more. Burakovsky, the one probably most consistent before the injury, he was he was producing well in the first couple of games. Last four games, Kadri and Saad have turned it on alongside him. And the Avs forward core is at least we'll say the top six for now is a legitimate threat, no matter who they throw out there. Yeah. I mean, I, that's um, obviously, I think that's um, assuming Mac is there. Um, it is of course, but the, those two lines looking really good. And then you combine that with what the fourth line looked like the last two games. Yep. 
feeling good. You're wondering, like Jonas Donskoid looks really solid right now, but then you're just wondering, okay, so can they survive? Yeah, they can survive without Nachushkin and Comfort playing at their best if the other ten guys are rolling. They're gonna be just fine. There's just they're they're too good. They're too talented. And it's it's an interesting situation too because we've seen Don Skoy find some success. You know, it, some inconsistency to his game, but the production is there. Where Nachushkin and, and Comfer and most of the fourth line, the production is just lacking. It's just missing. Yeah. I mean, the, you look at the production from the top six and you say, wow, that's really good. If yep. this keeps up all year, they're all going to have great years. Yep. And then Donskoy is off to a good start. And then the other guys, you're like, uh. So JT Coffer on pace for a 15 point season, Tyson Jost on pace for a 15 point season. I don't think Belmar recorded any points in the games he played. Like some yeah. problems there. Yep. Um they're they're having that problem again where they had it a couple of years ago where the fourth line they would put out there and it was reliable, but nothing happened offensively ever. And I mean you do bring up a good point. It's been extremely low event. Yeah. The Avs, through 10 games, outside of this last one against Minnesota, where they they did get a little bit shell-shocked, they have done an extremely good job limiting total shot counts against Philip Grubauer and Hunter Miska, I guess. But Yeah, I mean, Miska had to face, like, what, 30 whole shots last night, and he couldn't handle it. 33, but it, it – we're – We've seen blowouts, and we've regularly seen the Avs goaltender face 20, 21, 22 shots through these 10 games. The The possession is there. It's just about getting that little bit more consistency out of the Avs' bottom six in the offensive zone a little bit. And I think a lot of people struggle with JT Comfer in this situation because the process isn't there. It's not a Tyson Joe situation where you're like, right. wow, look at all the good things he's doing. He's just not scoring. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. It's the exact opposite where nothing's happening with JT. Yep. And if something exactly. is happening, it's bad. Yep. Um. I don't know, man. It's such a weird. It's such a weird thing with him because it feels like he's become like the whipping boy for sure for everybody. You know, everybody's everybody's scapegoat for the their problems, and like he's just he's just not playing well. It is no. It is not confirmed. McKinnon is going to be out again. Can can we get like a banner that that, <laughs> that says that? Nathan McKinnon status unknown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, not. We've seen so much better from Comfort though, and I right. think that's. I think the, for one, that's why we haven't really seen him lose lots of his ice time, lots of his role yet. Because we've seen so much better from him. That this is a head coach that has gotten a lot better out of JT Comper for the for the last couple of years. Yeah. Yes, there we go. A perfect banner. <laughs> um I and it's interesting because you didn't really see this hammer fall on Comfer from the fan base until after the original, which is the same story you've seen better out of these guys. That was focused toward Kadri and Saad until they figured it out. Yeah. And well, and they had higher expectations. Yeah. And they also had like, they also had the track record where you and I were like, just chill out. We know that this is going to get better. These guys have had slow starts in their careers before. We know that they're, these guys are going to be a lot better and they turned it around and guess what? It's a lot. They've been, they've been a lot better. They've yeah, true. That. Like there will be games where they go back to being bad again. That doesn't mean that they're bad. That just means hey, they're they've had tough games again. It's just one of those things. But yeah. with Comfort, there's just no bright lights there. Yeah, it's you're waiting for 
it's it's an interesting conversation because Confer's offensive production has never been consistent. It's always been something that comes in spurts for him, right? And sure. that's okay as long as you're getting the spurts. But right now the spurts aren't coming for JT, and it's just a desert. It's a wasteland until he starts to get back to that. Yeah. This is why consistency is so highly valued in the NHL because you don't run into these, these down stretches. You're not paying a guy for 30 games. You're paying him for 82. Yep. And when you pay a guy for 82 games, you know, you're going to get some bad games for sure. You, you accept some, but it can't be most of them. You accept that there are imperfections there, but it's, you just need somebody that, you know, and I, so with, with Comfer, I think, I think the frustration is that he's always had ways of impacting games when he's not just scoring, you know, a physical presence, kind of a feisty attitude, an ultra try hard, a little bit of work. Yeah. There's always been something, right? But right now, nothing is going well for him. And I don't as as a coach, what do you what do you do at that point? Like how much longer is the leash for Comfort before you just say we need to give him a night off? Yeah, I mean we can't we can't keep doing this. How much longer? It it's it became apparent pretty quickly in the third period the other night, right? Where they were like, All right, here you go, Comfer. Here's your shot with the first line. And within five minutes, it was like, okay, let's put Kadri or Jost or something up there instead. Because there was just nothing. There was nothing there. There was no jump. So. Yeah. (laughs) I would assume that it is not. But it could be. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. This is a situation for the Avs where the nit, I'll put it that way. These are nitpicks in the Avs lineup right now. The key parts of the lineup, the Avs top four when healthy, the Avs top six when healthy. Yeah. You have to feel really, really good. There's there's a reason, and we mentioned this uh, recently, but there's a reason that at the trade deadline every year, cup contenders are going out and trying to fill these jobs. Yep. It, like, I I put it I put it in a uh, in my takeaways from one of the games against the Sharks, but I said the Abs have put themselves in a position now where I could totally see them going out and getting Vlad Domestikov at the deadline again. Yep. Straight up. Depending on the, the situation, you go find yourself a Matt Nieto or something for cheap. You never so, know. <laughs> I'm I mean if you're not gonna get any offense out of, of out, out of Val Nachushkin, you just drop him down to the fourth line and you go and you get an Amesnikov and you have that guy on the third. Yeah. It's I'm it's not it's not a great solution. And and I don't think they're gonna find one this year. Um but I tell I tell you the if we look ahead to the deadline, this is easily the biggest problem spot on the roster is that that linchpin, the third line center, because you can move Comfort to the wall. We've seen him be a, a fine winger over the years. Yep. Donskoy is fine. Donskoy is a guy that you don't even need to really worry that much about. He's been okay. It's it's the double whammy of Comfort and Nachushkin both just being non existent offensively, right? Yeah, you need to get a little bit more out of one of those guys. You look at Nachushkin and say, "Look, the guy's giving you elite defensive play. You kind of live with whatever he gives you in the offensive zone." Right, but that's—I mean—that's that's why you—that's why you have that conversation as a—you put him on the fourth line. Yeah, like the Kiefer Sherwood thing is all fun and games for right now, but like, I don't think that that's going to continue long term. Even even Logan O'Connor, you know, like you drop that guy down and it's like just drop him, move him down and you have a prototype third line winger in Martin Kaut 
that it seems so this, easy to this do, is a different conversation i know and, and I've, the I've reason that i'm not getting into all this night. i know but the reason that i'm not getting into this is because you and i would do that chat would do it everybody would give everybody would give this a give the give that guy a go you drafted him you've developed him you've waited on him you protected the elc like it was the most important thing what the hell just so just know that over here next to this conversation is this bubble of Martin Cout that we're not going to talk about again. Yeah. Hey, I am building for my weekly Cout rant. I just... <laughs> All right. Quick. Someone in chat, ask if he's expansion draft eligible. Oh, God. <laughs> the worst part is, is that even when that expansion draft comes and goes, people are still going to think it's funny to ask me that. It's never going to end. He's going to be 35, playing not even for the abs anymore. And yeah. people are going to be asking you that. Like, <laughs> Okay. So I do want to close out with what is the biggest surprise on the forward side? We covered Bowen Byram on the defensive side. We kind of talked about Grubauer and how you kind of expected play like this. For me, it's Burkowski, Um, that it looks like he's taken another tiny step forward. The guy could have had a three-point night last night. You're In our preview of the season, we are talking about Burkowski as a secondary star. And the way he's playing right now, if this is the Burkowski that the Avs are going to get for an entire season, look, you expect the point production to probably come down a little bit point per game is, is a little bit on the high side, but you're talking about someone that is now a core piece of the Colorado avalanche. So, yeah, I mean, you look at Kadri's in his thirties already, and he's got two years left on the deal. And then who knows, right? Yep. Then the Alex Newhook conversation starts. Um, Brandon Saad is a free agent at the end of this year. They, they probably just don't have the money to, to bring him back. And again, the Alex Newhook conversation starts. Yep. But Burkow, Burkowski's the offensive consistency, um, I think, has been pretty impressive. Um, I'm not asking for him to be great defensively. He's on a line where the other two guys are a lot better at that already. So yeah, for sure. Um, but I'm but Burkowski I mean, taking a step forward from a point seven point per game guy to a point per game guy is a pretty big. He also, I think, that. flies under the radar a little bit because all of the hype was about Gerard and Taves on the Av second power play unit. Burkowski, working from that half wall, has very quietly been an excellent distributor of the puck on that second yeah. power play unit. It has been extremely impressive. Yep. At, uh, Good times. I, I know there was a, a good stretches of this podcast where we talked about some of the negatives in this Avs lineup, but at the end of the day, the Avs are in a good spot, a good enough spot to the point where we don't know Nathan McKinnon's status and we're not super worried about the immediate. If, you, if Nathan McKinnon got hurt two years ago, the season was over. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last night. If he's gone for two months, they're in real trouble. Agreed. Like, but... real trouble. If if it's more like a... If it's more like two weeks, you can survive. Yeah, agreed. It's going to be... Life is going to be a lot tougher, but you can survive. And that's that's two more weeks than they could have survived two years ago without Nathan McKinnon is all I'm saying yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean that, that first playoff team, that's 17, 18 team. Yep. It, McKinnon dragged that team to the playoffs almost single. And yeah, I mean, and, and it was, and they had to win games at home because they weren't any good on the road. Yep. And that, that top line was scoring like three goals a game yeah. at home. It was so, it was so broken. out of control. It was out of control. Yeah. That, that was so silly. Um, but yeah, we're, we don't, we don't know what Mac is up to. So we are, we are leaving open the possibility yep. that he's out. Like this is a bad thing and it's long-term. And, you know, we, we covered our bases for the immediate of what yeah. we expect the abs to see if he's out as soon as, 
we know you'll know about whatever his condition is, but I'm going to be honest. If he's not back, it might be a lot more of, well, we'll see. We don't know yet, as has been the case with almost every single abs injury this year. Yes. Best case scenario is that this entire, this entire podcast is irrelevant tomorrow. That, I mean, I feel like we talked about the 10 games in the second half of the podcast. That's still relevant. Yeah. But well, yeah. that it's it is one of those things. We hope the entire McKinnon conversation in this podcast does not matter. And th- that's best case scenario for the Avs. If you want to watch the best hockey in the world, watch the Avalanche when Nathan McKinnon's healthy because that's what you're going to get between him, Makar, Rantanen, Byram Gerard, <laughs> Landis Burakovsky. Throw it in there. The the list right now for the Avs is quite long and hopefully in a couple weeks it's back to full strength and seen all right thank you everyone for- this meantime, shane bowers time there you go get the shane bowers reference in there thank you everyone for watching listening however you consume the podcast we appreciate you all so very very much we hope you will join us after the game post game tomorrow we go live post game every single game be sure to like and subscribe there as kale is showing you right now we are out of here for the day be sure to follow aj hayfley's twitter for updates from morning skate tomorrow the nvr avalanche account as well starting to get close to 10k subscribers so help us push to that number till tomorrow night i will talk to you guys later